knows about Dayedo. It is a poem that we sing at the Seder. It's part of the Haggadah. Um, Dayedo somehow, it's the one part of the Seder that everybody remembers. Believe it or not, a lot of non-Jews know Dayedo as well. So everyone knows it. Um, I'm not sure why everybody knows it. I think the reason is because it has a very, very catchy tune, and everyone seems to remember this tune. Die, die, no, die, die, no, die, die, no, die, no, die, no. I don't know when. And the lyrics are very easy. The lyrics are easy. I don't know when the. Um, I don't know when um, this tune was added to the. Um, poem of Dayeno. The tune itself is actually a Hasidic tune, um, an older Hasidic tune, about 200 years old. And some point in the last 200 years, someone decided to add it to Dayeno, and it seems to have caught on. Um, so, um, but Dayeno is a very well-known poem that everybody remembers. But what exactly is Dayeno? So I'm going to actually hand out over here copies of Dayeno, so you could follow along as we go through them. And... Um, And so what Dayeno does is it goes over 15 wonderful things or good things that Hashem did for us, that God did for us over the period of the Exodus and beyond. And asking God for, thanking God for each of these 15 things that He did. And we mentioned each one and we said, had He only done one, had He not done the next one, it would have been enough for us. Had he done this one, had he not done the next one, it would have been enough for us. And we mentioned each of these 15 things had it been enough. Had he not done the next, it would have been enough. We would have been okay. We appreciate every single thing that he did. The word die means enough. And it comes from the verse in, um, it comes from the verse in Isaiah where he says, I'll pour you blessing to no end. And this is where God gives us more than we need. God gives us more than we will ever need. So, um, so Dayeno itself, where does it come from? So the Haggadah in general, where does our Haggadah come from? The Haggadah is very old. The Seder itself, original Seder comes from Moses. When we left Egypt, Moses told us to eat matzah, eat marar, have a Passover sacrifice, which was once an important part of the Seder, um, and tell the story of the Exodus. And so this goes all the way back to Moses. The Haggadah as we know it, in other words, the early parts of the Haggadah as we know it, begin with most of our prayers and services um, in Judaism, which, as uh, we've mentioned regarding other prayers, were developed by the men of the Great Assembly, who lived um, at the end of the Persian Empire in the early Second Temple about 2,300 years ago. Now, the Haggadah itself, most of the Haggadah is thought to come from the Second Temple period, um, much of it from the late Second Temple period, more than 2,000 years ago. There are a couple songs that were added to the Haggadah over the years. Some of them are a little bit later in time. Dayenu is thought to be the oldest song in the Haggadah. We don't know who wrote it or when it was written exactly, Historians think because it mentions the temple that it, um, and does not mention the destruction, that it 
ref- that it is actually, it comes from temple times. So the temple was destroyed almost 2,000 years ago. So that would date the song back about 2,000 years. Um, the first time it's mentioned as part of the Haggadah is in our first published Haggadah. The first published Haggadah that we have is from Rav Amram Gaon, which was in the 900s. And so that's the first time we have the Dayenu in the Haggadah, and it's been included in most Haggadahs ever since. Haggadah is the book that we use on Passover to tell the story. So the poem begins actually with the words in Hebrew, Kama ma'alot tovot lamakom aleinu. How many wonderful things has God done for us? Now, the word that we use for wonderful things in Hebrew is an unusual word. The word that we use is ma'alot. Ma'alot in Hebrew means steps. Ma'alot is steps in Hebrew. So literally you would read, how many steps has God done for us? But ma'alot can also be advantages or good things. And this is really a play on words. Why? There are 15 things that God has done for us that are mentioned in this poem. Why 15? So we know that they are given as the 15 steps in praising God. In the temple in Jerusalem, and this was originally in the second temple and before that in the first temple, in the temple in Jerusalem, going up to the temple courtyard, from what the main temple courtyard, for what was known as the Ezrat Nashim, the women's courtyard, was kind of the entrance courtyard. And you went up from there to the temple courtyard in the Bet HaMikdash. And so going up to the temple courtyard, there were 15 giant round steps that led up to this, the temple courtyard. Now, on these steps, the Levites would sing and um, play musical instruments praising God on these steps. So these were steps that were used to get up, but they were also used as kind of for an orchestra and choir to sing on these steps praises for God. There's 14 lines, 15 things. 15 things that are mentioned. Oh, we'll, we'll get to it in a moment. So... So there were 15 steps. In Psalms, we actually have 15 Psalms. In the book of Psalms, we have 15... Psalms are songs. Psalm is just an English word that was created to translate the Hebrew word tehillim. Tehillah means praise, songs of praise. So we have 15 songs that are called Shir Hama'alot, the song of the steps. Why? 15, one for each step. There was one song was written by King David or King Solomon, some from David, some from Solomon, for each of the steps in the temple, one corresponding to each step. Why indeed are there 15 steps of praise um, on which the Levites would sing, for which they wrote 15 songs of praise? So a number of reasons are given for this. According to Kabbalah, it tells us that the first two letters of God's name have every letter in Hebrew has a number of value, or what we call gematria. Um, Aleph is one, Beth is two. So the first letter of God's name that we don't pronounce is a Yud, which is ten. The second letter is a He, which is five. 
And so um, in, um, in Psalms we say, Hashem Lamim, that God, with his first two letters, Yud and He, he formed the world. And so it's a source of creation. And so therefore we're recognizing creation through the number 15. Um, it is also said that there are 15 steps to heaven or to reach God. There are 15 steps and therefore Solomon made 15 steps in the temple, and there are 15 steps of praise. Now, interestingly, King Solomon himself, who built the first temple, was actually the 15th generation from Abraham. He was 15 generations from Abraham. And so for him personally, 15 was a powerful number. And indeed, we know that the moon to which our people are compared, our, the Israel is compared to the moon, and our calendar, at least we have a lunar slash solar calendar, but most of our calendar runs around the moon. And the moon waxes and wanes, grows big and small, and it takes 15 days to reach its peak. So therefore, 15 is the number to praise God. And therefore, 15, for that's why there were 15 steps in the temple. And that is why here we have 15 steps, ma'alot, 15 steps of praise. So what are those 15 steps of praise? So the way the poem is written, and there's actually more to the poem. I only copied the first part of the poem, which is the famous part, the Diana part. Afterwards, we go over and we list actually all 15. Um, one by one. And so we say, had God not taken us out of Egypt, had God only taken us out of Egypt, but not punished the Egyptians, it, it would have been enough for us. So step one is taking us out of Egypt. That's the first praise. Of course, we're sitting at our Seder. So we praise God for taking us out of Egypt. Step two then is punishing the Egyptians. Had he only taken us out without punishing, he didn't have to punish the Egyptians, he could have just taken us out of Egypt. We didn't need him to punish the Egyptians. But we're very glad that he did. Why are we happy that he, God punished the Egyptians? Well, he, no, he could have taken us out without punishing the Egyptians. But we're happy that he punished the Egyptians. Now, we should point out that we do have a kind of a negative side to Passover where the Egyptians suffered and all human suffering is bad, even suffering of wicked people. So we do see a negative side to the fact that the Egyptians were punished. But the beauty for us was that the ten plagues brought great miracles. Why did God bring these great miracles? For us to see God's might and power and for us to enter into a covenant with him. So for us to recognize Hashem. That was the purpose. And so we're glad that he made these, these miracles for us to be able to recognize him. Not only did he punish the Egyptians, but the next one continues. He destroyed the Egyptian gods, right? Had he only... I don't have the papers. I don't have the same wording that you have. Um, so I'll pass it back to me. Um, had, if he had only carried judgment against them, but not against their idols and not punished their gods, in Diana it would have been enough. Why? Because he didn't need to punish their gods. He could have just punished them. That was great miracles. But by punishing the Egyptian gods, and God destroyed all the Egyptian gods, by punishing all the Egyptian gods, we saw that their gods were false. So that proved for us that they were false. Then, God did not have to kill the firstborns, but God 
did kill the firstborns. Again, had he only destroyed their idols and not smitten their firstborns, it would have been enough. Again, smiting their firstborns was another great miracle um, where only the ones who were firstborns were killed and not others, and the firstborn of Israel were not killed, and so it was a very great miracle. And again, it brought, God's, it brought out God's greatness. Then we move on. Had he only taken us out of Egypt, had he only uh, smitten their firstborns, but not given us their wealth, Dayena. We didn't need all that wealth. But God made us very, very wealthy. He told us before we left Egypt to ask the Egyptians for re- reparations. And so we went to the Egyptians and we asked them for their gold and silver and they handed it to us because they wanted us to leave. He didn't have to give it to us, but he gave it to us. So, that's, um, so we thank him for that. Then, had he um, given us their wealth and not split the sea for us, um, then Dayenu, it would have been enough for us. Now, he didn't have to bring us to the sea. He could have brought us straight to the promised land. Instead, he brought us to the sea. When Pharaoh saw we were heading to the sea, Pharaoh thought we were stuck and Pharaoh started chasing us. And then we were his forced to split the sea to, for us. But he didn't have to do that. Why did he do it for us? Why did he split the sea? Because he wanted to show us that great miracle of the splitting of the sea, the greatest miracle of all, all times. Then... Had he only split the sea for us and not taken us on, dry, on it through dry land, Dayenu, it would have been enough for us. Why? When God split the sea, not only did he split the sea, but he dried out the bottom of the sea. So we walked on dry land. It was totally dry. We didn't need that. We could have just gone through the muddy depths of the sea. We didn't need to go out on dry land. We didn't need, he didn't need to dry the bottom for us, but he went that extra step in order to show us his great miracle. Then, had he, not ta- had he taken us through, dry, uh, through the sea on dry land and not drowned our oppressors on it, Dayenu, it also would have been enough. He didn't have to kill the Egyptians. Could have ended us up on one side and left the Egyptians on the other. They, they wouldn't have been able to get us. But by destroying the Egyptians, God was able to show us that there's nothing to fear. We will never have to worry about them again. Moses tells the people, you see the Egyptians today, you will never see them again. They will be gone forever. Then we continue. Um, Had he drowned our oppressors on the other side, had he drowned our oppressors on it and not supplied our needs in the desert for 40 years, Diana would have been enough. He didn't need to take care of us in the desert. Why didn't he need it? How would we have survived? So as we mentioned, we were very wealthy. We had plenty of money. We could have plenty of traders from other nearby nations that lived near the desert would have been more than happy to come and sell us their wares. We had plenty of money to purchase it. Yet, God gave us whatever we needed. We didn't have to buy anything. Then had he supplied our, our needs in the desert for 40 years and not fed us the manna, again, Dayedo. He could have given us our other needs um, in the desert, which he gave us in particular, gave us water in the desert, through what's called the well of Miriam, a rock that would constantly gush forth water. And our clothing um, never wore out and um, over our time in the desert, even though desert has wind and sand, it never wore out. Our clothing was always fresh, miraculously. So we never had to buy new clothing. So we, never, we had everything that we needed in the desert, and he also gave us the manna. Then we continue, had he fed us the manna and not given us the Shabbos, Dayenu. He didn't have to give us Shabbos. And Shabbos, God gave us 
when he gave us the manna, he said, you'll collect manna for six days, and the seventh day, the sixth, on the sixth day you will get a double portion, the seventh day there will be no manna. So he gave us the Shabbos. He didn't have to give us the Shabbos. In fact, Shabbos is one of the greatest gifts that God gave our people. Before Shabbos, people just, there was no week. He just continued working. Shabbos is a break, a time to pull back from everything, to relax, to reconnect to our source, reconnect to God. So he gave us the gift of Shabbos. Then we continue, if he had given us the Shabbos and not brought us before Mount Sinai, Dayenu, he could have just given us Shabbos. would have been great. We didn't need to come to Mount Sinai. He didn't need to make the covenant with us. Then we say, had he brought us to Mount Sinai, and not given us the Torah, Dayenu. He brought us to Mount Sinai. He said the Ten Commandments. We heard the Ten Commandments. But then Moses went up on Mount Sinai and got the entire Torah. We could have managed with just Ten Commandments. We didn't need everything else. But God gave us everything else as well. Then we continue. Had he given us the Torah and not brought us into the land of Israel, um, Dayenu, it would have been enough. We could have just had the Torah. We didn't need a, a promised land. But God gave us the promised land. And then finally, we, could, we conclude if he had given us the land of Israel and not built the temple in Jerusalem, Dayenu, it would have been enough for us. Beis HaBechira is the chosen house of the temple in Jerusalem. It would have been enough for us. So these are all the things that God has given us over all the years. And we are appreciative of everything that he has given us. So when we... And there, there, there's 15 stanzas in the poem, but the 14 stanzas, sorry, but 15 items, right? Because each one we start with, had he given us this and not given us that. Um, so we have 15 altogether. Now, when we read that Yeno, essentially, we are recognizing all the good that God has done for us, for our people over history. Uh, it is important to remember that our Seder is not just a tale of the Exodus. Our Seder is a tale of our history. Our Seder is a connection where we connect 3,000 years of Jewish history. And we have that connection. It's not just as other peoples who are telling today a story of somebody else a long time ago that was far away from them, that had no connection with them. But these are our, our grandparents. These are our ancestors over whom we, we have a very well-recorded history for 3,000 years of everything that they have told us. And throughout all these years, God has kept us and sustained us and kept us going for thousands of years. And we are still here. And he has done so many favors and so many wonderful things to us and to our people, allowing us to still survive, despite all those who wanted to destroy us, as we spoke a few weeks ago. So uh, we need to recognize all the goodness that God does for us. Sometimes we get caught in the moment and we forget all the goodness that we have. And the Dayenu song is really about that, recognizing all the good that Hashem has done for us. We do that on the, at the Seder because we recognize the Exodus, but recognize everything that Hashem has done for us over the years and all that that we have to be thankful to God for and being thankful is a very important value um, in Judaism, um, to be thankful and recognize that which we are given. So that's the power of Dayeno. I wish you all a um, happy and kosher Passover. The two always go together. And um, we hope we will not have class next week. We will, God willing, continue in two weeks. And our subject in two weeks is, Do Jews Believe in Satan? For those of you who are in our recent Kabbalah class, we already discussed that in great detail. But uh, we will talk about whether Jews believe in Satan.